0: it's podcasting time. This is Just Another Jerk Dispatches from Japan. It's a podcast about Japan, just like the subtitle says. I'm Jonathan Isaacson, and I'm just another jerk with a podcast, just like the title says. So there you go. Please remember to subscribe for those automatic updates, rate and review the podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or almost anywhere else you might cast a pod. And remember to share the podcast with your friends, your family, your frenemies, your enemies, your cats, your dogs, if they have their own devices. Today, I'm here to talk about fruit and vegetables. Now, I know this might not sound like all that interesting of a topic, but it isn't boring either. Just about everything is interesting, if you think about it in the right way. Just like every person has an interesting story, so too does everything and Japanese fruits and vegetables are certainly no exception. There are all sorts of things we could talk about, right? The differences in produce sections in supermarkets and grocery stores in the U.S. and the, in Japan, and you know other countries and all that. You know things like cucumbers and bell peppers being smaller here, or like daikon radish and hokusai, uh also known as napa cabbage, being the staple, the kind of the main vegetables. You know, there's also the variety of citrus here in the supermarkets. It's just absolutely staggering, the different varieties um, that are just just ever so slightly different than one another, you know, but that's not what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about are two topics that are really, they're two facets of the same issue, you know, they're two sides of a single coin, if that's the metaphor that you'd prefer. So it's no secret that in Japan, produce, especially fruit, can be really expensive. Obviously, things like the u melon, which is a type of cantaloupe, they're very famous for being expensive. The first melons of the year always get auctioned off for some redonkulous sum of money, you know, sometimes as much as 3 million yen, you know, for, for two, melons, that's for two melons, that's your price for two melons, so 1.5 million yen for a single melon, um, that's 3 million yen is about $28,000 US, for those of you playing on it long at home. Now, of course, this is an anomalous sum. You know, these are, these are status symbol melons. I mean, yeah, that's a kind of a thing. Some people like to flex by showing off how ridiculously much they're willing to pay for certain foodstuffs, including cantaloupes, which I find to be some of the most boring fruit, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Cause that, that sort of price is not normal or sane. But even the normal fruit that's sold in the summer, you know, or for year-end gifts, is really pricey. Now, it should be noted that there's this history in Japan of giving fruit as a gift. I'm not exactly sure what the origin is, and at the moment I'm way too busy to be bothered to look it up. But if you go into the department stores in the summer, or again in December or so, you can buy these really nicely packaged, or, you know, overly packaged, with stupid amounts of plastic... Another thing Japan is famous for? But, you know, you can you can find these really nicely packaged boxes of these really expensive fruit that is to be given as a gift. Now, of course, the fruit is intended to be eaten at some point. I mean, after all, it is just fruit, and it will rot if you just leave it sitting around. But that fruit is really expensive. It's easily over, you know, 10,000 yen, you know, roughly U.S. $100 dollars for a box of grapes or whatever. But I'm not even really talking about that fruit. I'm really thinking about the standard every day. Let's have a nice snack with tea time or, or dessert kind of fruit. That fruit is also often really expensive, at least by like U.S. standards. But once you, once you have seen how it's grown, you start to understand the price of Japanese produce. So apples are pretty standard, pretty common fruit in Japan, especially up kind of in the northern parts of the country. If you go out driving around an apple orchard in, say, summer or early autumn, you'll notice all these little paper bags are tied to the apple trees. The apples are inside those bags. Each individual apple has its own bag. Seriously. Now, obviously, this means the apples are more protected from insects and the like, which I believe is the main reason it's done. And it's not just apples. Uh, Most fruit that's grown on trees or vines, you know, like grapes, is treated in the same way, this really labor-intensive way. Already, I think you can start to understand why Japanese produce is as expensive as it is. So, after the fruit is ripe and ready to be picked, the apples are picked and they're put into this special cold storage for a certain amount of time to maximize their tastiness. I'm not exactly sure of the details, um, but at least the apple orchard that we saw on TV a while back, they do this with their apples, and I got the sense that this is a pretty common practice in Japan. And I'm sure other fruits have a similar process, you know, something to maximize their their deliciousness. And then once they're ready to go to market, the apples have to pass a selection process. So you see... Only the most aesthetically pleasing produce is usually allowed in the stores. All of this leads to produce, fruit especially, to be on the expensive side. But it also means you're almost always guaranteed to get a delicious apple from the store. Not a delicious apple, the variety, not a red delicious, but delicious as in tasty. I don't think I've ever seen a delicious apple. I mean, now I am talking the variety. I don't think I've ever seen a red delicious apple in Japan, Actually, I, I thinking about it, I take that back. I might have seen them in a Costco, I'm sure imported, but yeah, you, you don't see uh, Red Delicious very often in Japan. The most common apple in Japan is the Fuji apple, which is a hybrid of a Red Delicious and a Rawls Janet apple, apparently. I find the Fuji to be almost as bland as a Red Delicious, but I like really tart apples. I like tart fruit in general. So when the supermarkets have the jazz apples from New Zealand, I'm jazzed, and I'm really, really sorry for that really, really lame pun. Anyway, and this goes for almost all produce. The standards for market are really stringent, which is good for consumers who are picky about quality, but it does lead to a problem. Food waste. Now, I'm guessing that in a typical Japanese house, the amount of food waste is much lower than I say a typical US house. Right? Japanese manners and customs kind of enforce in people this idea that food is a gift from nature, and you should be eating everything that's on your plate. Now, admittedly, that's kind of a you know an oversimplification, but that's not today's topic, so oversimplify I shall. But anyway, Japan, okay, there's this idea, food is very precious, you should eat it all. Japan, though, does have a food waste problem. And it's created by these really strict standards for produce to go to market. So seriously, to sell cucumbers that are curved... Now, Japanese cucumbers are much thinner than the U- their U.S. counterparts, but, so, th- so they curve much more easily. But to sell a curved cucumber in a supermarket, they get put into a, you know, into a bag and then slapped with a wakeari, irregular or defective, label. Just because they're a little bit curved, absolutely nothing else wrong with them, right? They're still a nice green, like their non-curled cucumber cousins. They're the same circumference, the their overall length. Well, if you straighten out the curly ones, you know they're the same length as their non-curled cousins. Literally, the only difference is, is that the irregular my scare quotes you can't see on a podcast the irregular cucumbers are curved and the supermarkets seem to think that at least some people will not buy these cucumbers when this is a problem so my wife's aunt has a really large vegetable garden and it's not so much a garden as it is a small vegetable farm if we're being honest and once upon a time she sold her vegetables or some of her vegetables at the michinoki near her house now michinoki literally translates to road station in English. They're kind of this mix of farmer's market, rest stop, roadside attraction thing. I don't know what you want to call them exactly, but they're great. Except for the fact that their farmer's market standards for produce are ludicrously stringent. So much so that after a while, my, my wife's aunt, she just gave up trying to sell her produce at the Michinoweki because it was just way too much work to sort out the okay produce from the irregular produce. Which means that there were all these perfectly edible, delicious fruits and vegetables that have nowhere to be sold. And so that is a big part of Japan's food waste problem. But clearly it's not something that should be a problem. So a few weeks back, my wife was watching a TV show and I kind of caught a bit of it. So this show had high school, uh, secondary school if you prefer... Uh, teachers talking about students that had left a really good and you know strong impression on them. And there was this teacher who was talking about a young woman who had left this impression that she was going to go do big things with her life. And then of course, the show, they tracked down these young people and so they tracked down this young woman to see what she was up to. And she had started her own company at like 22 years old or so to try to deal with some of the food waste problem. The show went into a little of her backstory. So she had done a homestay in one of the English-speaking countries at U.S. or Canada, I think. It might have been Australia, but, I mean, that's not really important. So she was doing this homestay, and she was shocked by her homestay family throwing away the food she didn't eat for dinner, right? Because, you know, in America, Canada, Australia, they tend to eat larger portions than in Japan. And so a little Japanese, you know, high school or, you know, Early university student, young woman. She's not going to be able to eat an entire American meal, so there was extra, and her, you know, her host family—not angrily, but they just threw away the extra food, and that shocked her. I mean, obviously, this is not every place in the U.S. My, my family—we always grew up saving the leftovers, but some places, some families, yeah, this—it is, is a thing. You do, you just throw away the extra food, and this young woman got to thinking about food waste as a problem. And when she got back to Japan, she started to realize where a big part of Japan's food waste problem was, and that's the irregular produce. So she started her own company and was selling a lot of the irregular food farmers couldn't sell at supermarket or Michinueki. This young woman, you know, she would get the food, the irregular vegetables from the farmers, and she would set up a stall at her local train station every day, and was selling those curved cucumbers and all those things right there to commuters. And obviously, people were buying the food. I mean, she's been at it for a couple years now, so there's enough demand for at least one small company to sell perfectly edible, irregular food and make a go of it. And, you know, that says to me that there are probably plenty of people in Japan who would be perfectly happy with the wakeari, the irregular fruits and vegetables. I mean, heck, my wife prefers the the cucumbers that are curved. She claims, I mean, mostly jokingly, but she claims that they taste better. So, yeah, Japanese produce at the supermarket. You're probably never going to get a bad vegetable or piece of fruit from from the supermarket. But it's going to cost you. And not just in the wallet. But there are people out there trying to change that. Smart people. Ambitious people. And people I'm cheering on. And I'm going to end it there for today. Please remember to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening thingamabob, be it Apple Podcast Thingamabob or the Spotify Podcast Thingma Bob. Google and Stitcher also have good Thingma Bobs to listen to podcasts. You know, you know the places. Subscribe and you'll get the podcast automatically when a new episode drops. Please remember to rate and review as well. Share it with your friends. Always share. Sharing is caring. Or something. You can email questions, comments, and suggestions to just another jerk podcast at gmail.com. There's also a Facebook page, uh, search for Just Another Jerk Podcast, and you should be able to find it. Uh, Twitter, what is it? Just, Just Another Cast. Look for Just Another Cast. You can find us on Twitter. And, yeah, on that note, I'm out. Peace.